waves. So you will remember some basic ideas about waves and their behavior. You should also recall that all waves can be reflected and refracted. And you know that sound as well as electromagnetic radiation, including light, travel as waves. The learning objectives in this chapter are that you will build on the basic knowledge of waves that you have already learned in your GCSE. You will learn about the differences between progressive and stationary waves, about the superposition waves and about polarization. Now let us look at progressive waves. The ripples spreading across the surface of water are a familiar example of wave motion. We see a repeated regular disturbance of the surface as a wave travels across the water. Each point on the surface of the water is displaced, rising up to a crest and down into a trough. This pattern of displacement is repeated regularly as the crests and troughs pass by. Water molecules gain gravitational potential energy, which is then transferred to kinetic energy and back to potential again as each point on the surface rises, falls and then rises again. Oscillating water molecules act on their neighbors so that as one point on the surface goes upwards a crest, an adjacent point also moves upwards but reaches the crest slightly later. The process is repeated across the water surface so that the crest moves across the water. Water ripples are examples of progressive waves. Progressive waves transfer energy, but they do not transfer any matter. There is no net movement of water. Similarly, when you shout, the vibrations of your vocal cords cause sound waves in the air, which carry the energy across the room, but the air does not go with it. If you flick the end of a rope, the wave carries the energy to the other end, but you still have the rope in your hand. In each case, energy is transferred, but there is no net movement of the material, which is known as a medium, that carried the wave. However, the individual particles of the medium do move. Each particle oscillates above its equilibrium position, that is, where it would be with no wave to disturb it. When the wave has passed, the particles return to their original positions so that the passage of the wave leaves the medium itself unchanged. Transverse waves In the figure 3, the end of a long rope is being wiggled up and down. A progressive wave travels along the rope. Each point on the rope is oscillating up and down, displaced from its equilibrium position. These oscillations are out of step with one another. As the wave travels from left to right, the motion of the point is slightly delayed with compared to the next point, and the motion of the point before it is slightly delayed to the motion of the point under consideration, and so on along the rope. In fact, the wave is a sequence of oscillating particles, each pulling on adjacent particles, each with a displacement slightly out of step with its neighbors. These waves are transverse waves. This means that the oscillations of the particles are at right angles to the direction in which the wave travels, or the direction of the propagation. Surface waves on water, waves on stretched strings, 
and electromagnetic waves are all examples of the transverse waves. Transverse waves can, as we commonly see, travel across a water surface, but they cannot propagate through a body of water. A surface wave is not a perfect transverse wave. The water particles are not merely displaced up and down by the wave, but move in roughly elliptical paths in the direction of the wave motion at a crest and in the opposite direction in a trough. Longitudinal waves. Progressive waves can also propagate through a material as a longitudinal wave. This is how sound waves travel through air. A vibrating object such as a tuning fork or a loudspeaker pushes periodically on the air near it, compressing it and expanding it at regular intervals. The result is a pressure wave. Molecules in the air are forced closer together and then further apart in the direction of propagation, resulting in regions of compression and expansion of the air. This can be modeled using a slinky spring. A compression is a region of relatively high pressure and density where the molecules are closer together than their average positions. In a rare fraction, the molecules have moved further apart than usual, leading to a region of lower density and pressure. These variations can also be plotted on a graph. Mechanical waves and electromagnetic waves. A lot of the waves that we saw earlier are examples of mechanical waves. They transfer energy through a material or the medium by the oscillations of particles. Mechanical waves may be transverse or longitudinal. Electromagnetic waves are not mechanical. They do not require a medium in which to travel. Light, infrared and ultraviolet radiation from the sun would not reach us otherwise. Since all other waves need a medium, one theory suggested that space is not empty at all, but instead it is filled with a material known as ether. The ether was supposed to act as a medium to carry the oscillations that made light waves. But all efforts to detect the ether have failed. Electromagnetic waves can propagate through a vacuum without any particle oscillation involved. So, what is it that oscillates? The answer is that EM waves are linked electric fields and magnetic fields. Such fields are regions of space where an electric charge would field a force. As an EM wave passes, the electric and magnetic fields oscillate. As the electric field changes, it induces a change in the magnetic field at right angles to it. Similarly, as the magnetic field varies, it leads to a change in the electric field. This periodic fluctuation propagates through the space as a self-perpetuating wave. The directions of the varying electric and magnetic fields are always at right angles to the direction of wave propagation. Hence, EM waves are transverse waves. So the key ideas. Progressive waves transfer energy without causing any permanent displacement of the medium. In a transverse wave, the oscillations are at right angles to the direction that the wave travels. In a longitudinal wave, the particles oscillate in the same direction 
as the wave travels. Surface water waves, waves on a string, and electromagnetic waves are transverse waves. Sound waves are longitudinal waves. Electromagnetic waves do not need a medium to travel through. They all travel at the same speed in a vacuum. Here are some questions for you. Sound travels as a longitudinal wave. It travels through solids more quickly than it travels through air. Can you suggest why? Question 2. In space, no one can hear you scream. Why not? Why is it that you could see an alien spaceship but not hear it? Question number 2. Seismic waves can travel through rock as either transverse or longitudinal waves, but transverse waves cannot travel through a body of liquid. Explain why. Question number three. Design a brief demonstration to show that sound waves from a loudspeaker cause longitudinal waves in the air. Question number four. Explain how would you prove to a class of younger students that sound is a mechanical wave and light is not? Question number five. Gamma rays are electromagnetic radiation of very high frequency. How does the speed in vacuum compare with that of radio waves? Now let us look at some more detailed parameters of the waves. So in this section, we will more look at displacement, distance graphs, wavelength, as well as phase. So progressive waves can be drawn as they would look at one instant in time. Such a snapshot shows how the displacement of the particles depends on the distance from the wave source at a certain time. The displacement is measured from the equilibrium position and may be either positive or negative. The maximum displacement caused by a wave is known as the amplitude represented by the capital letter A. The amount of energy transferred by a wave depends on its ampl amplitude. The distance between two consecutive points on a wave that have identical displacement and velocity is referred to as the wavelength lambda. The wavelength is measured in meters. If we observe two points on the wave that are exactly one wavelength apart, such as let's take two points A and B, we would see that they oscillate in step with each other. These points are said to be in phase. Points on the wave that are half a wavelength apart reach the opposite extremes of their oscillation at the same time, like the points A and C. These points are in antiphase, that is completely out of phase with each other. Other points on the wave, like for example A and D, they have a phase difference that depends on what fraction of the wavelength lies between them. A phase difference between two waves or between two points on a wave can be expressed as an angle. One whole wave or one cycle represents an angle of 360 degree. Two points with a phase difference of 360 degree are in phase because they are one wavelength apart. Points with a phase difference of 0 degree, 360 degree, 723 degree and so on into integer multiples of 360 degree are in phase, where you can think of the number n as the integer.
two points with a phase difference of 180 degree are half a wavelength apart so and, and so exactly out of phase. In fact, any two points that are an odd number of half wavelengths apart will be exactly out of phase. Phase difference is also sometimes expressed in radians rather than in degrees. One radian is defined as the angle turned through at the center of a circle when a distance of one radius is traveled around the circumference. Since the circumference of a circle of radius r is 2 pi r, there are 2 pi radians in a whole circle. So, 2 pi radians is equivalent to 360 degrees. Which means that one radian is an angle equivalent to approximately 57.3 degrees. A phase difference of 2 pi is the same as 360 degree and it refers to two points that are a whole number of wavelengths apart. So you can look at the table in your textbook which summarizes how these phase differences can be expressed. So remember that a radiance is defined as the angle at the center of a circle that is subtended by an arc that is the same length as the radius. So the angle theta can be defined as arc length divided by radius or s by r in radians. And this is often written as s equals r theta. When s equals r, then theta is one radian. Now let's look at displacement time graphs and frequency. Rather than sketch a wave at a point in time, we can concentrate on one point and sketch how its displacement varies with time. The graph looks very similar to the previous graph that we have shown. But now two points on the waveform are separated by a certain time rather than by a certain distance. The time taken for one complete wave to pass by a point is known as the period T, represented by the capital letter T, of the wave, and it is often measured in seconds. The phase difference between two points on the wave now depends not on what fraction of wavelength lies between them, but on what fraction of the period T separates them. The period of wind-driven ocean surface waves is typically around 10 seconds. That means that there is one-tenth of a wave every second. The number of waves every second is known as frequency of the waves and is measured in hertz or hz. In this case, the frequency f equals 1 over 10 equals 0 0.1 hertz. The frequency of a wave depends only on the wave source and it is not affected by the medium in which the wave travels. For example, the frequency of the sound wave from a guitar string depends only on the frequency of the vibration of the guitar string and it stays constant as it travels through the air. The relationship between the period of a wave that is represented by the capital letter T and its frequency Cap, uh, represented by small letter f can be written as f is equal to 1 by t or t equals 1 by f. Now here are a couple of questions for you. A tuning fork emits a note of frequency 256 hertz. What is the period of these sound waves? Question 2. One of the unusual features of a tsunami is its long period, typically about one hour. What is the frequency of such a tsunami? Now, if you look at the figure that is given in your textbook, what is the phase difference for the two waves in fractions of a cycle, in degrees, and in radians?
Let's look at wave speed. The speed of a wave depends on the properties of the medium. In particular, the speed of a mechanical wave depends on, first, the size of the forces between each vibrating particle, also can be known as the elasticity of the medium. And second, the inertia of the vibrating particles, how easy or difficult it is to accelerate each particle. A material can be thought of as a series of masses connected by springs. As a mechanical wave, such a sound wave progresses through the material. The springs stretch and exert forces on the masses. A wave would travel relatively slowly through a system of weak springs and heavy masses. Sound travels much more quickly through a solid than through a liquid or a gas because the forces between adjacent particles are so much stronger in a solid. The speed of a wave, represented by the small letter c, is connected to its wavelength lambda and its frequency f. Think about the ripples that spread out when you dip your finger into and out of the water of a lake. If the circular waves that spread out have a speed of c, then after one second, the first wave will have traveled c meters from your finger. If the frequency at which you dip your finger is f, then after one second, there are f waves occupying a distance c. The length of each wave lambda is therefore given by the relation lambda is equal to the speed of the wave divided by the frequency of the wave, or lambda is equal to c by f. This relationship is true for waves and is also usually written as c equals the product of f lambda. This equation can be used to calculate the speed of a wave if its wavelength and frequency are known. Now, if you look at a worked example, a wind-driven ocean wave has a frequency of around 0.1 hertz and a wavelength of around 100 meter. So this gives us a wave speed of c equals 100 meter multiplied by 0.1 hertz. So that is lambda multiplied by f and that gives us 10 meters per second. Now compare this with the speed of a tsunami that has a low frequency of 2.7 into 10 to the power minus 4 hertz but a long wavelength of up to 500 kilometers in the open sea. So the speed, the wave speed of tsunami is 2.7 into 10 to the power minus 4 hertz, which is the frequency, times its wavelength, which is 500,000 meters. And this gives us the speed of the tsunami wave as 140 meters per second, or about 500 kilometers per hour. So here are a couple of questions for you. The speed of sound in air is about 330 meters per second. Calculate the wavelength of a sound wave that is frequency of 256 hertz. Question number two. The BBC transmits radio 4 on the long wave band at wavelength of 1500 meters. The speed of radio waves in air is approximately 3 into 10 to the power 8 meters per second. Calculate the frequency of these radio waves. So here are the key ideas from this section. The wavelength lambda of a progressive wave is the distance between any two consecutive points on a wave that have identical displacement and velocity. Two points on a wave that are any whole number of wavelengths apart will have exactly the same displacement and velocity. These points are said to be in phase. The phase difference between two waves at any given point or between two points on a wave 
can be expressed as a fraction of a cycle or as an angle in degrees or radians. The frequency f of a wave source is the number of waves per second measured in hertz. The time taken for one complete wave to pass through a point is the period t in seconds, t equals 1 by f. The wave speed c is equal to the wavelength multiplied by the frequency, c equals f lambda. Polarization. We cannot see directly that light is a wave, but we can see it behave in a similar way to the waves on strings or on the surface of the sea. Light can be reflected from a surface just as a wave on the sea is when it hits a harbor wall. It can also be refracted as water waves on reaching a shallower region. Neither reflection nor refraction is convincing proof that light is a wave. After all, a solid object like tennis ball can be reflected from a racket. But light can also be polarized, which is a phenomenon that is only shown by transverse waves. Transverse waves, as we have seen, have oscillations that are perpendicular to the direction of the wave propagation. There are infinite number of waves this can happen. Now, the figure just shows some different possible orientations for the oscillating electric and vectors, electric field vector of an electromagnetic wave. Now note that an unpolarized wave has vibrations that move in any direction perpendicular to the wave motion. Ordinary light is unpolarized. So if the oscillations are confined to just one plane, the wave is said to be plane polarized because an electromagnetic wave has an oscillating electric field and an oscillating magnetic field, we take the plane of the electric field to be the plane of polarization. Polarization provides the most convincing evidence that light is a transverse wave. Visible light is usually unpolarized, though some sources such as liquid crystal displays emit polarized light. Light can also become polarized by reflection or transmission through certain materials. Light can be polarized by transmission through a polarizing filter. Polaroid is a plastic with a long chain molecules that are aligned in the same direction. A polaroid filter absorbs light that is polarized in a plane parallel to the chain molecules and allows light that is polarized at 90 degrees to the chains to be transmitted. Light can also be polarized by reflection from a non-metallic surface. When light strikes a surface, some of it may be absorbed. Some may travel through the material and the rest will be reflected from the surface. Light that is polarized in a plane parallel to the surface is preferentially reflected. The light reflected from the surface of water or glass, for example, is at least partially polarized. So, using Polaroid sunglasses can reduce glare. When light is reflected in random directions by a rough surface, or by small particles or molecules in the atmosphere, we say that the light has been scattered. Scattered light from molecules in the atmosphere is partially polarized. The light from the sky is at its most polarized and most blue because blue light is scattered more than red light.
at 90 degree from the sun. A polarite filter on a camera can improve the contrast in a sunny scene. Now let's look at polarization of radio waves. All electromagnetic waves are transfers and therefore capable of being polarized. The radio waves used to transmit TV signals are polarized. The alignment of the receiving area must match the direction of the electric field vector and the transmitted wave, otherwise the received signal will be weak. For example, the TV transmitter that covers much of Bristol, Bath and Somerset transmits horizontally polarized radio waves. The transmitter has an output power of around 250 kilowatts and is mounted on a 300 meter high mast on Penn Hill, itself 300 meter above the sea level. Despite this, the signal cannot reach all the villages and homes in an area because the Mendip Hills get in the way. The short wave, UHF, radio waves used for television do not diffract, that is, band around obstacles sufficiently to be picked up by an aerial in some areas. Many houses therefore have a second aerial pointing at a different transmitter. And notice how that aerials are differently aligned to receive waves from different transmitters. Now let us look at optical activity. Optically active materials can rotate the plane of polarization of light. Sugar solution is able to do this. The more concentrated the solution, the larger the angle through which the polarization plane is moved. This effect is also used in liquid crystal displays, where the plane of polarization can be controlled by an applied voltage. Most modern flat screen televisions use this effect. Try watching TV using polarized glasses and then tilting your head. Some optically active materials are affected by stress, which is a deforming force. The larger the stress applied to them, the greater the change in the plane of polarization. The effect can also be dependent on the wavelength, which causes colored patterns when the stressed material is viewed through a polarizing filter. This photoelasticity is useful in finding areas of excessive stress. So the key ideas in this section are, the waves in the electromagnetic spectrum are transverse waves. These transverse waves can be plane polarized by transmission or by reflection. A polarizing plane polarizes a light wave. A second polarizing filter can then vary the amount of light transmitted depending on its orientation relative to the first filter. Radio waves emitted from a transmitting signal are plane polarized. The receiving aerial needs to be correctly aligned to receive the full signal. Here are some questions for you to consider. Is it possible to have polarized sound? Explain your answer. Question number two. My car has a liquid crystal display showing the speedometer. If I'm wearing my Polaroid sunglasses and I put my one hand on one side slightly, the display goes black and I can't read the speedo. I've also noticed that I can see colored patterns on the windscreen. Do I need to seek medical advice or buy a new pair of sunglasses? Explain. Stretch and challenge questions. Question number three. Wearing polarized sunglasses can reduce the glare that you see from reflective surfaces like the sea. Tilting your head from side to side varies how the reflections look. Explain why this happens. Question number three. Four. 
It has been suggested that if car windscreens were polarizing and headlights were beams of polarized light, we could avoid glare without having to dip our headlights. Is it a good idea? Explain. Sugar solution can rotate the plane of polarization of light. All sugars seem to rotate it in the same way, to the right. Say, if you try artificial sugar, which chemically seems to be the same in every way, it does not turn the light. Bacteria eat sugar. If you put bacteria in the artificial sugar water, and then when the bacteria finished and you pass polarized light through the remaining sugar water, you find that it turns to the left. So, so this was what was stated by Richard Feynman. Can you suggest an explanation for Feynman's observations? Superposition of waves. Now it seems remarkable, but it is actually possible to add two sounds together and produce silence. Active noise control works on this principle. A reverse copy of the noise, anti-noise, is added to the signal or to the original noise to produce a much quieter sound. The sound cancellation is possible because of what happens to waves when they are added together. For example, when two similar waves meet, the two sound waves or two water waves, the total displacement is the vector sum of two individual displacements. This is known as the principle of superposition. The vector sum means that we need to take into account of whether the displacement was positive or negative. For example, if two waves meet with their crest together, the result will be an extra high crest. If a crest meets a trough of equal size, the resulting displacement of the water will be zero. Superposition can be observed when any two similar waves meet. For example, when the ripples on the surface of the water cross each other, they briefly add together and then they carry on as before. Stationary waves. Musical instruments rely on stationary waves or standing waves to produce notes. A stationary wave on a violin string, for example, makes the air around it vibrate, causing a progressive sound wave to move through the air. Progressive waves carry energy in the direction that the wave travels. But some waves do not appear to propagate at all. These stationary waves are formed by two progressive waves of the same frequency traveling in opposite directions. Imagine a rope with a person at each end, both wiggling the rope at the same frequency so as to send progressive waves down to the other end. These two waves add together in accordance with the principle of superposition. At certain frequencies, there are points on the rope where the two waves always meet with a phase difference of 180 degrees. If the two waves have the same amplitude, these points do not oscillate at all. They are stationary points called nodes. At other points along the rope, there are places where the two waves always meet in phase. At these points, the displacement goes from zero to a maximum value of twice the individual amplitudes. These points are called antinodes. If the frequency of the wave stays fixed, 
the position of the nodes and antinodes do not change. There is always a distance of half a wavelength between two successive nodes or two successive antinodes. Progressive waves have crests that, have, that move at the speed of the wave. Energy is transferred by the wave. In a stationary wave, the nodes and antinodes are both fixed and no energy is transferred along the wave. Stationary waves are formed in systems that have boundaries. Progressive waves are reflected at these boundaries and stationary waves are caused by the superposition of these reflected waves. The energy is not transferred beyond the boundaries of the system and becomes stored in the stationary wave. There is another difference between progressive and stationary waves. In a progressive wave, there is a phase difference between adjacent points. In a stationary wave, all the points between consecutive nodes are vibrating in phase. All these points reach their maximum displacement at the same time, though this is different for each point. All the points on a progressive wave have the same amplitude. Now let's look at waves on strings. The standing wave on the string of a musical instrument is set up because of the superposition of the progressive waves that reflect from the fixed ends of the string. This phenomenon can be investigated using an apparatus that you may find. The vibration transducer causes a wave to be sent along the string at certain frequencies the standing wave is set up. These frequencies are known as harmonics. The frequencies at which harmonics occur depend on several factors. First, the tension of the string. In the experiment, adding extra masses to the end of the string will increase the tension. The mass per unit length of the string. Thicker, heavier strings vibrate more slowly and the harmonics at lower frequencies. Harmonics occur at lower frequencies. The length of the string. A shorter string has shorter wavelength vibrations, which leads to higher frequencies. Now for a string that is fixed at both the ends, there can be no vibration at the ends of the string. These points are always nodes. The lowest frequency at which a standing wave is formed is known as the first harmonic, also known as the fundamental frequency. This standing wave has a single antinode in the center of the string. There is one half of a full wavelength on the string. So for a string of the length, the wavelength of the first harmonic is lambda equals 2L. And because frequency is F is equal to C divided by lambda, then the frequency of the first harmonic or F1 equals C divided by 2L. The second harmonic is formed with a node on the center of the string. In this case, there is a whole wavelength on the string. So, lambda equals L. And therefore, the frequency of the second harmonic, F2, equals C by L equals 2 times F1. The second harmonic has twice the frequency of the first harmonic. A similar argument shows that for a vibrating string, all harmonics have frequencies that are integral multiples of the frequency at the first harmonic. The speed c at which the wave travels along a stretched string depends on the mass per unit length of the string, represented by the Greek letter mu, and the tension in the string, represented by the capital letter t. In fact, 
the speed of the wave is given by the square root of the ratio of the tension in the spring over the uh, mu, the, 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 the length of the string, the, length, the mass per unit length of the string, which is represented by mu. So C equals square root of T over mu. That means that the frequency of the first harmonic is given as F equals C over lambda equals 1 by lambda multiplied by square root of t by mu equals 1 over 2L multiplied by square root of t over mu. The vibrations on a real string on a guitar or violin, for example, are much more complex. Many of the harmonics can be present at the same time, though the amplitude of the higher harmonics is usually smaller. As the string vibrates, it causes a sound wave in the air around it. This is amplified by the sound box, which is the body of the instrument. The sound wave will vibrate with the same mixture of frequencies that the string vibrated with, though some of the frequencies are amplified more than others by a sound box. Now know that holograms can be used to show a two-dimensional stationary wave on front panel of a guitar, and these patterns are used to help in the better design of these guitars. Now here are some questions for you based on the section on the waves in a string. Estimate the frequency of the lowest note on a guitar. The tension on a guitar string is approximately 100 newtons. Question number two. Why does a note played on a violin sound different from a note played on a guitar? Question number three. The G string on a guitar plays a note of frequency 196 hertz when played open. The string can be shortened by pressing on a fret. Estimate the frequency of the highest note that can be played by pressing on a fret. If a guitar string is plucked, then touch briefly in the middle of the string. A higher note is heard. How much higher and why? Next question. A set of violin strings is replaced with strings of twice the mass. What will be the new tension have to be if the strings are to play the same notes as before? And final question. A violin maker wants to build a violin that is one quarter of the standard size, but plays the same notes as the standard version. What advice can you give her? Now there is an experiment that involves investigating the variation of the frequency of stationary waves on a string. And the aim of that practical is for you to verify the relationship f equals 1 over twice the length multiplied by square root of t over mu for the first harmonic of a wave on a string. The practical gives you the opportunity to show that you can first use appropriate analog apparatus to record a range of measurements and to interpolate it between scale markings, use appropriate digital instruments to obtain a range of measurements, use methods to carry to increase accuracy of measurements, use a signal generator, and generate and measure waves using a vibration transducer. Now the apparatus that you use is uh, the, you know, available in the li uh, in, in this la laboratory. The standard experiment for investigating stationary waves on a string uses a vibration transducer to vibrate the end of a string. A vibration transducer is similar to a loudspeaker. It has a metal post in place of a paper cone. 
on one end of the string is connected to the post of the vibration transducer and the other end has a loop so that masses can be hung from it via a pulley. The tension in the string can be varied by changing the mass m. A signal generator is connected to the vibration transducer so that the frequency of oscillations can be controlled. The signal generator sometimes has a digital readout of frequency, although this can be inaccurate. Often the frequency has two controls. One determines the range of frequencies and the other is a fine control. The scale of the fine control is sometimes logarithmic rather than linear, so that a small movement of the control can make a large change in the output frequency. An alternative means of measuring the frequency is useful, for example an oscilloscope, a frequency meter or a stroboscope with digital display. Using a stroboscope has the advantage that the stationary wave patterns are observed easily, but care has to be taken because flashing lights can cause problems for some people. Frequencies in the range of 7 Hz to 15 Hz should be avoided. So if you were to look at the techniques, the frequency of the first harmonic for a wave on a string is given by f equals 1 by 2L multiplied by square root of capital T divided by mu, since only one variable should be changed at a time. Several separate experiments are necessary. The first one, we investigate the effect of the tension T. So the tension is varied by changing the mass m on the end of the string T equals mg, assuming that the pulley is frictionless. The length L of the string and its mass per unit length, mu, must be kept constant. Number two, to investigate the effect of varying the mass per unit length, mu. Mass per unit length is more difficult to change. Several different strings, each of different thickness or density, could be used. It is possible to braid strings together to make strings of mu, 2 mu, 3 mu, 4 mu, etc. The length L of the string and its tension T must be kept constant. And the procedure is similar to that described in the previous step. So a graph of frequency that is y-axis against square root of 1 by mu is plotted. A straight line should verify the relationship. Method number 3. To investigate the effect of varying the length L on the string. So the procedure is similar to that described in step 1. A graph of frequency y-axis against 1 by L is plotted and a straight line will verify the relationship. Now the following techniques are really good practice when doing this experiment. The string should be horizontal. A spirit level or a set square can be used to check this. The independent variable in each case should be varied over as wide a range of values as is practicable. It can be difficult to find exact frequency at which the first harmonic occurs. Fine adjustments of the signal generator are needed to meet the maximum amplitude on the stationary wave. Markers can be used to show the position of the nodes, which may not be exactly at the ends of the string. The length between the markers is measured with a meter ruler. And note that finally, there is an element of judgment in deciding at what frequency a standing wave is established. This is a random error since the frequency may be underestimated or overestimated. 
Therefore, the uncertainty in the results can be reduced by repeating the readings. It is a good practice to take a complete series of readings as the variable, for example, mass is increased and then take a second complete set of readings as the variable is decreased. So here are some questions for this experiment. Explain why the string vibrates strongly only at certain frequencies. Question number two. Suppose that you find that the string vibrates strongly at a frequency of 75 Hz. At this frequency, you can see four nodes, one at each end and two on the string. Which order harmonic is this and how do you know? B. What other frequencies would you expect to see large amplitude vibrations? Question 3. It's a good idea to use markers to mark the nodes. The markers could be large optical pins stuck into a cork. Why will these help your measurement? How would you use them to the best effect? The vibration generator should be run at its largest amplitude, should not be run at its largest amplitude, and this might affect your results. Suggest what might happen. Explain how the stroboscope seems to freeze the motion of the string. At which frequencies will this occur? Next question. Suppose you are investigating the effect of changing the tension in the string. How would you use a repeat readings to obtain a more precise answer? And finally, how could you find the velocity of waves on the string? Well, now let us look at sound waves in pipes. It is possible to send up, set up longitudinal stationary waves by reflecting a sound wave, for example. The air in the tubes and pipes of musical instruments such as organs, oboes and trumpets can be made to vibrate as a stationary wave. Sound waves can reflect from the open end of a pipe as well as the closed end so that standing waves can be set up in both kinds of pipe. There is always a node at the closed end of the pipe and an anti-node at the open end. This means that different modes of vibration occur in pipes that are closed at one end, like an oboe or open at both ends, like a flute. In an open pipe, all the harmonics exist, F1, 2F1, 3F1, 4F1 and so on. A closed pipe will only support the odd harmonics, F1, 3F1, 5F1 and so on. The fundamental note of a closed pipe is always a lower pitch, half the frequency of an open pipe of the same length. Microwaves a stationary wave is set up in a microwave oven. There are nodes and antinodes of microwave intensity. A turntable has to be used to ensure even cooking. If the turntable is removed and a piece of chocolate is given a very short time in the oven, you can see where the antinodes were. You can estimate the speed of a light using a microwave oven and a piece of chocolate in this way. Let's look at a worked example. So the frequency of an electromagnetic waves in a microwave oven is around 2.5 GHz. The distance between two successive antinodes shown by the chocolate is approximately 8 cm, which gives a wavelength of 16 cm. So using C equals F lambda, we get C equals frequency is 2.5 into 10 to the power 9 multiplied by 0.16 meters. That gives us 4 into 10 to the power 8 meters per second. This is a bit higher, but it is of the right order of magnitude. So let's look at the key ideas. The principle of superposition states that when two waves meet, 
the resulting displacement at any point is the vector sum of the two individual displacements. Stationary waves are formed by the superposition of two progressive waves of the same frequency that are traveling in opposite directions. Stationary waves formed by the superposition of waves of equal amplitude have points of zero amplitude called nodes that are half a wavelength apart. Stationary waves have points of maximum amplitude called anti-nodes that are half a wavelength apart. Stationary waves do not transfer energy in the direction of propagation as progressive wave does. Every point of a progressive wave eventually reaches maximum displacement or amplitude. This is not true of a stationary wave, where the amplitude depends on the position. The phase difference between any two adjacent points on a progressive wave there is a phase difference between any two points or any two adjacent points on a progressive wave. This is not the case for a stationary wave, where all the points between any two consecutive nodes are in phase, though there is a phase change of pi radians, that is 180 degree, on either side of a node. The frequencies at which a stationary wave is set up on a string or in a tube are known as harmonics. The lowest frequency at which a stationary wave is set up on a string in a tube is the first harmonic. Couple of questions. The air in the pipe that is open at each end is made to vibrate. If the pipe is 30 cm long, what frequency would be the first harmonic be? Question B. What would be the frequency of the first harmonic change if the pipe were then to be closed at one end? Next question. Sketch the stationary wave pattern for the fifth harmonic for a wave on a string and sketch the ninth harmonic for a sound wave in a pipe closed at one end. So applying the properties of waves. It is possible to create stationary light waves by reflecting light. For example, reflecting a laser beam back on itself. This standing wave can be used to direct a stream of atoms to a high degree of precision. Although the light can be used to shape a material at very small scale, there are fundamental properties of waves, in particular diffraction, that make it impossible to see individual atoms with light. The photograph that you can see can be imaged using a stream of atoms rather than light waves. Diffraction along with interference will be discussed later on. So to give an example, chromium atoms are directed down onto a surface, typically silicon, where they are deposited. Just before the atoms hit the surface, they are deflected by the standing wave of laser light, rather like raindrops falling into a corrugated iron roof. The atoms collect into lines and so form an array of narrow lines on the surface. And this is, this is what can be seen in the photographs, which is a scanning atomic force microscope image.